Hello and welcome to Find Your Fierce Podcast. And I am honored for our very first guest podcast to be my good friend, Anna. Anna is an MX, CBIS. Anna holds a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. She has served her community in a variety of human service roles over the last 20 years. And she has worked in group homes, day programs, managed group homes, helped others apply for and receive disability benefits and other services and resources, and has served as a crisis responder and psychotherapist. Her greatest desire is to help others learn to tap into their inner wisdom and resources so they can love themselves and others more and live a life beyond their wildest dreams. Welcome to Finding Your Fears podcast, sharing lessons and stories about creating the life and business you deserve. With me, your fierce guide, Carolyn Colleen. Anna, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. As our very first guest, I would love to share a bit of your journey to helping others find their fears. Yeah. Wow. My journey starts way back right out of high school. Well, probably more like middle school. I had a friend who was involved in the foster care system and had just a lot of challenges in her life. She has always been this reason why I've wanted to help people because she wasn't receiving the right kinds of help at the right time and really ended up having a mental health breakdown and just crisis after crisis as an adult. And she's really fueled my focus to help others. And once you start, it's hard to stop because helping others just feels so good. <laughs> so that's when it started. I thought I wanted to be a social worker and ended up in the clinical mental health counseling instead, which is a really wonderful thing because Often with social work, you get this idea that you're like doing for people and that doesn't fully empower them, you know? So counseling with that, it's like the responsibility is with the person. I can be the resource center. I can hold space for them. I can help them with perspective shifts. But at the end of the day, their success is 100% their own. And so if they do the work, they'll get the results. If they don't do the work, then that's also right, their responsibility. So it feels really amazing to be able to help guide versus do for people. I love what you just said about guide versus do. Because the foundation of finding your fears is truly what we're doing is we're igniting people's fire. Because we all have those embers within us, but how do we add a little bit of air to it? And with that, it's adding that air is the resources and the tools in which for you to continue to grow that fight. And what I love about all the different resources that you have and the knowledge that you carry is really what works for you as you're building your resilience, as you're building that path forward. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the tools and resources. You know, you and I had had a conversation a little bit about, oh, Talk about on this podcast, some things that came up was truly about some of the healthcare disparities in that resilience piece. As I know, and as we talked before about some of your background in heart math and resilience and really leaning into combating some of the things that in our lives we end up with and restructuring and 
repurposing some of the things that happened to us to happen for us. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your insights within building resilience and what are the tools that you use in which to do some of those things? Yeah. So I am very eclectic in my approach to helping people because for me, it is this idea that there is no one size fits all approach to anything in life. So what works for me may not work for you. What worked for me at one time may no longer work for me. To have a variety of tools to use that is going to fit for any person in any given situation. Like, first of all, you need to meet people where they're at. You know, if you're helping them with tools that they can't quite reach to at that point, you're not going to be of service. And so really having that big variety. So it really starts with being able to challenge one's thoughts, being able to see that every thought we think isn't exactly helpful for us and that we don't have to believe every single one of them. Right. So starting to really challenge our thoughts and build our confidence in those ways is often a place where you start with people. But bringing people back to the breath is something I do across clients. It doesn't matter who I'm working with. I'm bringing them back to their breath. And because heart math, which is my favorite resource that I use, really has described in their scientific findings that the breath is what allows us to have our prefrontal cortex come back online. So if we're in a stress response, which let's be honest, most people in our modern world are in a stress response because stress can happen in response to anything. I think we get this tendency to think, oh, I've got stress in my shoulders. I must have pulled a muscle or I must have stretched wrong. But in reality, it's all of these like resistant thoughts to what's happening in our life. We hold that tension in our body and then we look around and give it meaning. Oh, it was that thing that caused it. So if we can start coming back to the breath, really taking those deep breaths, we're able to get in alignment with our more spiritual self, with our inner self. We're getting more intuitive guidance versus the idea that when we're in a stress response, we try to be super logical. That part of our brain just isn't working during stress. And then we just keep going in the cycle. Take just a few deep breaths. It brings us back to what DBT calls the wise mind. And so really teaching people how that works kind of doing a combination of like heart math education and some dialectical behavior therapy. I love this because that is part of what we teach in fierce breathe, focus, and fierce action. In building resilience, it aligns perfectly because the first step is breathe. What I enjoy with your knowledge is bringing further resources to the scientific background of breathwork and B for breathe, which is the first step. And when I created this fierce method, I created it out of survival. And just like you said, there's so many people that are just in that survival mode. And here's the thing, we ebb and flow. So we ebb and flow from, hey, we're doing great to, oh no, now I'm in survival mode. And what do I do, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful journey of life is how do we navigate these different storms that we come across? Because we're either in a storm, we're coming out of a storm, or we're heading into one. And how are we navigating that? With Find Your Fierce, with Fierce Foundation, with the Fierce brand, it's navigating those storms and doing it five minutes at a time. So breathing, the most beautiful and most important piece of that 
and getting into kind of riding that storm of your fight, flight, or freeze. With that science behind be for breathe, and then I also appreciate what you shared with just taking a deep breath and really connecting to your inner self, connecting for me, connecting to my higher power, which is God. And whatever it means to you, getting centered with that and listening. And then the second step is focus. How might we get more focused? So I think very often we get caught up in the things that have happened in the past or the things that are going to happen in the future, right? Which makes it really hard to focus because we're actually not in the present. So again, part of focus is coming back to the breath. How can I be here now? Because we need to focus now because every new moment is birthed from this moment. And we don't recognize that. So if we're dragging stuff with us from the past, we're also using that stuff to create in this moment what's happening in the next moment. And so it's really hard to focus when we're distracted by all of the things that have happened in the past or that will happen in the future. So kind of helping people to really kind of come back to the present and be grateful for what is because it's really about this is a feeling reality. Heart math research has shown that we have a personal bubble. They've proven this. They can measure it. It's about three feet in diameter all the way around us. And in that electromagnetic bubble, we carry the frequency of our emotion. And we're interacting with people based on our emotions. And we pick up energy from others and we also give our energy to others. So understanding that life's experiences are energetic. And so how can I feel good in this moment so that I'm creating the next moment in good? From there, we can start to think about the future, right? But we need to be creating from a space of somewhat of a positive energy. And when I say positive, I think of two emotions in life, two major emotions, love and fear. And so we can create in either. And on the love side is anything from acceptance to like pure bliss. And so acceptance is a positive emotion. If I accept where I am, doesn't mean I'm giving up. That doesn't mean I'm not trying. It just means I'm going to say, okay, I start here. This is where I'm starting. I accept the circumstances of my reality in this moment. And just with that acceptance, we can start to create a different future. And then we can, again, start to focus on more dreams. But it's helping people to learn to dream again because so often they don't know how anymore because their hopes and dreams have been squashed. That is beautiful. And it's so true, isn't it? Especially when we are in a frazzled state. I love how you share getting in the present, either love or fear. Where are we? Where am I really at right now? Trying to shift into an acceptance. Does it mean, you know, whatever situation you're in at that moment, it's right or wrong and really not focusing in that per se? Because, yeah, the situation you're in probably could be horrible, right? And in honoring that, accepting that, yes, this sucks. And so what are some tools within that? And when we're in that focus, like, all right, I'm on board with maybe accepting. How do I go about doing that? Acceptance is a really hard one for people. I find that if you have the belief in a higher power, a lot of times it's easier to kind of come to that acceptance of like, okay, I guess I can give up trying to control things. Because what acceptance is having to say, I don't have control of this right now, right? And so much of our like core fears come from not having control of life. 
But the fact is that life brings us circumstances and it's about how we respond to them. That has to do with how we're going to benefit or not benefit from those circumstances. So really working on what is one next best feeling thought that I can have, right? It's not about, I think so often people go to extremes. So they're like, I'm in this situation here and I want to believe way over here. So I love affirmations. But again, recognizing we need to meet people where they're at. Sometimes affirmations can be like so extreme, you know, <laughs> like the idea that someone who's in a super awful, toxic environment where, you know, they might be being abused in some way for them to be like, I am powerful. You know, that might be a little stretch too far for them in that moment. So I think it's like, first, hey, I'm here. And what's the next best feeling thing that I can reach to? Because we get over here by taking steps. It's trying to not be stuck. The stuckness is what really, it's like physics. <laughs> an object in motion stays in motion and an object at rest stays at rest. And so we have to move toward what we want to believe about ourselves in increments. And you can see people move along their path much easier than people who are trying to like go from here to here in a leapfrog. Yeah, the stuckness. Oh, my goodness. I'm using that word today. <laughs> because it's so true. Sometimes you feel so stuck. And then within that, breaking down, all right, I accept where I am, but I feel like I'm going to move forward. The first step within the fierce method is breathe. We talked about breathing. And we talked now just about focusing, being in the present, accepting, and not leaning into the past, but just being right here. And then the last step within the fierce method is fierce action. And when I talk about fierce action, for me, in that stuckness, the fierce action was truly repurposing or taking, not necessarily repurposing yet, but taking that emotion that we struggle with, fight, flight, or freeze, and using it as fuel to push into a future that you deserve or that you want compared to self-sabotaging. With fierce action, it's true. It's taking that, that emotion is, whatever that story is, whatever that feeling is. Like sometimes I'm so angry and so angry about my situation, so angry about where I was. And I would take that and use it as fuel to make a decision toward a future goal or a future action in order to move me just slightly forward a little bit to make a choice that served me compared to a choice that in the past had self-sabotaged. Could you share a little bit about your take on what fierce action could be from your perspective? Yes, I think when it comes to action, one thing that we want to be very clear about is that we want to act on what we mean. And I think that when we start going through a change process, we're seeking so many answers outside of ourselves that often we don't take aligned action. So maybe we've got like four different people that we've asked, hey, what would you do in this situation, right? Because we do this all the time. We want to see if people agree with us. We want to have all this data about whether this action is right for us or not. So I think it's really important to know that the step is yours and not that it's someone else's idea before we think about taking steps, because that's what's really empowering. If you ask five people things and you don't agree with any of it, but then act on some of it, that's probably not going to get you closer to what you really want. You have to really be like, no, even though they don't agree with me, I can still do my action. So I think part of it is being willing 
to cross the line of stepping into a little bit of fear, right? Because fear is also a hormetic stress. It's good for us when we expand outside of it. I like to think of fear as just a little pointing out limiting beliefs. And, you know, we don't have to go far outside. Just like the last thing we talked about, we don't have to go from here to here. It's about expanding our comfort zone. And in the expansion of that comfort zone, we gain confidence. Oh, I did that hard thing that was so scary, right? And now I can do it again. And now the next thing that scares me, oh, I can then talk to myself about it. Well, you did that last thing and it felt good. And look at where you are now. So I think it's also recognizing that fierce action is any action that's in alignment with ourselves, with what we need to be doing, not with others think that we need to be doing. Yeah, that's powerful because within that fierce action, it's moving five minutes at a time. And what I love that you shared is that you seeking into, oh, wait a minute, I did that hard thing. I can do it again and again and again. Within that fierce action piece, it's just five minutes at a time, just picking that one thing that you can do that serves you in your higher purpose, your higher goal, and aligning with who you are and what you stand for in integrity five minutes at a time. And so, for example, when I'm fearful, let's say you tapped a little bit into this, in the space where you're fearful, where you're like, ah, I need to make a leap. I don't know what's on the other side and I'm scared. And all these people that I've perhaps said, I'm going to make this leap or I need to do something. And some people might have really helpful advice and some people might not. We'll talk in another episode about those relationships. But for now, really focusing in that five minutes, that next step that serves you and your greater good and repurposing that fear. So taking that fearful emotion and using it as fuel to just do something that you know serves you just five minutes at a time. And then soon off at five turns into 10, turns into 15, and you're building resilience. Mm-hmm. You're building that strength, that confidence that, yeah, I can do this, despite all the other noise that's going on. And when you're tapping into building that resilience, what are some other tools? Because you mentioned a little bit of, I noticed how I've done this before. And then you also tapped into a little bit of affirmations. And it's true. I also, I agree with you on that portion. An affirmation is only as good as your brain being willing to accept it. And so when I speak affirmations, when I'm giving myself a pep talk, I word it in a way that makes sense to me. So instead of, I am powerful, it's, I am working on making decisions that serve me to be more powerful. And so then I can reword it in a way that my brain's actually going to believe because my brain's not going to believe just I'm powerful. When in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, I'm not, but I'm working on it, right? So yeah, I'd love to hear what are your insights as far as kind of repurposing that, that fight or flight or freeze mechanism and moving in a direction that serves us. I teach this really cool method by Rick Hansen. It's a very long name, positive, self-directed positive uh, neuroplasticity training. But really what that means is I'm creating new neural pathways. And we have this evolutionary mechanism from like cave days where it's called the negativity bias. So they say that negative things stick like Velcro to the brain 
And positive is like Teflon. I always think of that like copper pan commercial with the egg, right? So positive things, they just slide right out. We don't remember them. And that is evolutionary. It was to help us to stay alive as a species and to be afraid of the dark because we don't know what could be out there. And we've got these kind of like core fears that way. And all humans have this. Again, natural negativity bias. But this method allows us to actually start to switch more regularly to the positivity bias, which also exists. We can actually create new neural pathways in our brain that are toward the positive. But we have to practice because, again, with that mechanism, that Velcro, we're going to continue thinking and focusing on all of the, anything that we label, because we all label. Things are, we label. Events happen, things are, We judge them as good or bad. We make their meaning. And that's really a thing that I think is important for people, kind of this education on how human reality kind of works, right? We can start to pay attention to the small thing, the small gratitudes in life. Like, okay, I've got my morning cup of coffee and that's amazing. Or I have a roof over my head or I had enough to eat last night or I have a kind person in my life. It doesn't matter what it is. The smaller, the better, I think. We've got thousands of opportunities every day if we, again, are just present enough to realize that we have these opportunities to be grateful. So I think that gratitude is a huge piece. Also visualization. So this method really includes a lot of the senses. So the brain, we tend to like give our power away to the brain. Also, I don't know if you noticed that, but like we just think this brain is like in control of us. But it's not. The mind is in control of the brain because the mind and the brain are different. You know, we tend to also look at the mind and the brain as being one. They're not, you know, so we actually have control of the messages that the brain sends out to our body. So a lot of it's the education of like, okay, if I have a restless body, I'm going to have a restless mind. So how do I calm my body? So I work with people a lot to just relax their body because their thoughts also relax. Teaching them how to be, like I said, grateful, helping them to think, having that sink into them through visualization practices. One of the great ways I like to explain it is like we can sense positive things sinking into us. Like if you have a plant that hasn't been watered in a long time and you water it, I don't know if you've ever watched it. I'm a weirdo like that. I sit and I like watch the plants and I listen to them as the water sinks in. And it's just such a cool sound and you can see the water kind of sinking down into the soil and you hear it kind of gurgling and you're like, We can sense good experiences sinking into us and filling us up. And by doing that, we are priming the positivity bias. So we have to work on kind of releasing the focus. Again, it's not about saying bad things don't happen in our life or not labeling anything bad. We can acknowledge what we feel and still choose to look around and be like, oh, wow, the sun is shining and it feels really good on my skin, right? I think that gratitude is just huge in this because it primes those new neural pathways toward the positivity bias. That's so interesting that we have these neural pathways that we can repurpose. You know, there's the saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I feel that is incorrect. (laughs) What do you think about that? It is incorrect. However, what I'll say is, let's say... So the brain in general is not fully developed in males until around the age of 28 and in females around the age of 25. And so individuals lower than that age will be able to change much more quickly because their pathways are not as solidified. 
essentially it has to do with the frequency that we are using those pathways. So if we're talking about working with somebody who's like 75, their pathways are pretty darn deep. So can they change? Heck yeah. Are they going to have to put in a whole lot more work? Heck yeah. And so I think it's, I always describe it, if we walk the same path every day for 25 years, that path is going to be pretty deep. And so it's going to take us time to create a new path. And sometimes we might actually like topple over backwards into the other path. It doesn't mean we failed. It doesn't mean we're not getting better. We have to crawl out and hop back on our new pathway because these pathways are so worn in that they're automatic. The brain just wants to go down them. It wants to fire and go right down these old pathways. Again, the amount of frequency that you're, the amount of practice you're putting in, right? How hard are you working to notice the positive? Everybody can change. Doesn't matter your age, but certain people are going to have to try harder and practice more simply because of the age of their pathways. That's it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. So when you speak of these pathways, it makes sense. Of course, you have to put in more work and perhaps Again, coming back to focus, focusing on that one goal, it doesn't have to be 20 goals, just one. And then mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about visualization and meeting people being in that space where accepting where you're at, because perhaps you might not be able to focus on a year-long goal or a six-month goal, but maybe you have a 90-day goal. Is it realistic that I might be able to achieve this in the next 90 days or the next 30 days or the next week? And sometimes it's even just in five minutes. Yeah. Moving forward intentionally in a path that serves you and your greater good just five minutes at a time, which again then moves into 15 minutes, moves into one day, moves into a week, into a month, into 90 days. And when we're in that survival mode, when we're trying to find our fears, we need to have some pathway of some kind to move toward. And that's the visualization, that's the hope that's igniting. Your fears igniting that fire within you and that hope that you may have had, you may have forgotten, or you might not have ignited before. So when we talk about visualization and really getting into what a short-term goal might be, reverse engineering it down to five minutes, how might someone be able to identify what that one goal is and work toward that just five minutes at a time? Would that be in visualization? What would be your recommendation? I mean, I think when it comes to that, it's really important when it's such a small goal, right? It's recognizing, am I hoping to get some sort of a feeling out of this? Am I looking for like productivity, right? So it kind of depends on like focuses, right? But the idea that kind of like you keep saying, you know, five minutes at a time becomes 10 minutes, becomes 15 minutes. I just love the addiction counseling side of things. I don't think that a lot of people look to it for other things, but it's so cool. Really, the philosophy of it that I don't have to make this huge goal. I don't have to say I'm going to be sober for my life. I just have to say I'm going to be sober for right now, right? Like right now, this is the only moment I'm actually alive. I can't plan for 10 years in the future. It's not given that I'm going to be here anymore. We don't know any of those things. So I think, again, it's kind of bringing it back to the moment. Like, what do I have? Where do I have control? Where do I have power? It's right now in this moment. And so if I'm working on wanting to leave an abusive situation, for example, what is one thing I can do in this moment 
that's different from what I normally do. And then it's just focusing on, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. You don't have to think about that at all. I just have to think about what am I going to do that's different right now? So when that decision comes up, it's also being mindfully aware of like the moment. Okay, I have an urge to do the same thing I always do. So if I'm aware that I'm having the urge, then at that point, I can say, I can do one thing different right here and right now because I'm aware I'm having the urge. Now, it's also okay from time to time to have the urge, be aware of the urge, know that we want to do something different and not because it's cultivating the awareness at first. Sometimes we just think we put so much pressure on ourselves to make the changes right away, take the action right away. So we should never discount what awareness brings to it because the next time it happens, we're going to be even more aware and we're going to be even more ready to do something different right now. That's powerful. Yes. And maybe perhaps awareness is what's different or perhaps doing nothing is what's different. Perhaps abstaining, different. Taking a deep breath, different. Just pausing, different, right? Yes. And then running on that awareness and saying, you know what? I'm noticing this and write it down. And that's the only change. Yes. And yes. I think sometimes people powerful. get so far ahead with their goals, you know, it's like we put so much pressure. And what I found is that the more pressure that we put on our goals and change, the more we resist it because it feels too big, it feels too hard. And, and at the same time, people resist the small changes, but it's the series of small changes that creates monumental change. And so we need to kind of remember that, you know, I have to start somewhere. And if I don't start, again, kind of like that object in motion, right? If I don't start, nothing's ever going to change. And then as we take the small steps and again, build our resilience, we become bold enough to take even more fierce action and we start taking bigger steps. But it's also accepting that it's okay and actually probably more beneficial for our pathways to start out slow and just start doing one thing differently. Yeah, starting out slow, chew what you share in because it sticks, right? Mm -hmm. Then it actually creates that change in the neural pathway because it sticks. <laughs> and that's absolutely brilliant in that share. It aligns exactly with our conversation of finding your fears. Thank you, Anna, for all of the insight today. And I wanted to ask a question that I asked at the end of every podcast is, what is it that you would do if you only had five minutes. Yeah. So we had kind of talked about this one too. And like my immediate thought on this was I would regulate my own emotions, right? We go up and down all day long. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're like the best Buddhist monks on the planet at being in the moment and all the things. We all ride our emotions. We all do. It doesn't matter who we are. We're human. Part of what makes life. So I would regulate myself. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to share something really cool about HeartMath. They have set up, I believe it's 12 different devices all across the planet to measure what's called coherence. Their belief through their 35 years of research is that we impact one another in ways that are totally unbeknownst to us at this time and aren't necessarily proven by science yet. And so their theory is that one person can lift 
all people. So really, they've set up these 12 different locations where they're measuring people's coherence around the world and hoping to see where we lift everyone. A very small percentage of people can change the perspective and the feelings of the entire planet. So really sitting back and connecting to the oneness that is and regulating myself, because even if none of that is true, if I am in a good space, I bring a different me to my service. If I am not in a good space, if I am not regulated in my emotions, I'm not going to be the best provider, the best service for people. It can't be. So it's about taking care of me and doing things that like light me up so that then I can bring all of that extra energy to people to help inspire them to do the same. That is beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. And so interesting because it brings me back to what I call was Holy Spirit and how we're all connected. And together we can lift each other as we show up in our highest sense of service in what we're meant for. And that is absolutely beautiful. And yes, if you had just five minutes, what would you do? Brilliant. And Anna, how can people find you if they're looking for more resources? Yeah. So currently I am doing therapy with Acumen Counseling Services in Winona. And I also have some coaching services that I do through Essential Habits for Wellness, which is my own business. Either of those are websites that are available to get a hold of me. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be of service to anybody. And I'll be also looking forward to doing events with you. And I'll get to hang out and learn new things. And looking forward to collaborating with you and your fierce network. Yes, exactly. And everyone listening, thank you for listening in to Find Your Fierce podcast today. There is our Fierce and Fulfilled event coming up 2023, February 10th and 11th. If you are looking for a special gift for yourself or for another woman in your life, then join us February 10th and 11th. We'll have the link in the show notes. And We will have Anna as one of our presenters at the event. If you want to go deeper into heart math, if you want to be able to seek a bit more information from a psychologist in being able to understand how you show up in the world and how that also is affecting others on your journey and how to navigate this journey in a fulfilled way, then join us February 10th and 11th for the Fierce and Fulfilled event. Lay out your 2023 to be the most successful yet. February 10th and 11th. Check in the show notes for the event and come join us. We're going to have a pajama party and it's going to be a blast. See you soon. Thank you, Anna, for being on this podcast. It's so, so informational and valuable. And we'll have you on again, I know. Everyone, have a wonderful week and we will see you at the next recording. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Finding Your Fears podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. Please share this episode with someone who might want a little more fierce in their life. And for more information about how we can work together, go to carolyncolleen.com. Talk to you soon.